Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Thursday, August the 25th, 2022. It is currently 8.17 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central Studios located right here in Abilene, Texas. And right here next to me, I have so many books that it's not even funny. I've got Bible handbooks. I've got dictionaries. I've got Bibles. I've got, I don't know how many pencils. Pencils are spread out all over the place. I've got multiple notebooks because I've been spending this evening, some of it, doing and working on the Bible study exercise for this week. And if you've been listening, you know that we've been working on the book of Amos. Well, technically, to be fair, we've been working on the book background to the book of Amos. We have started what will be a very comprehensive, a very in-depth study of the book of Amos, but we are doing so step-by-step following what I'm calling uh, the most comprehensive book Bible study method that you could find. But I'm what I'm doing is I keep turning on the microphone, kind of walking you through each step, just trying to say, okay, let's look this up. Let's look at this. Right now, there's been nothing, you know, I'm not giving you some major information right now. What I'm trying to do is just help you with the steps, help you to know what to look for, what not look to look for, what, what to include, what to possibly exclude. So I, I know the episodes haven't been the most dramatic and the most amazing, but if you'll stay with us, you're learning a couple of things. One, you're learning the actual steps of a very important, well, I would say an absolutely important method of Bible study. Most Christians don't actually employ a method of Bible study. They do a little reading, a little highlighting, and a lot of interpreting, but not really actual Bible study. So I think there's benefit in 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 listening to me, not watching, listening to me kind of go through the steps. So hopefully, um, you know, I've gotten a little feedback, you know. But put it this way, I'm, I'm going to continue it, whether the feedback is positive or negative, because I am convinced that it is important and necessary, even though maybe it's not necessarily wanted. Sometimes in theology and preaching, sometimes you got to do what it, you think is necessary, what you think the people need, even if the people don't necessarily want it, which is an odd, odd way to operate, Right. Like typically in the podcasting world, you're there to figure out what your audience wants and you want to make sure you give them that week after week after week, episode after episode after episode, because then they will keep coming back and they will tell their friends. But here, my job is to go, what do the people need? Not what they want. Okay. And well, well, then they just stop listening to you, but that, but that's okay. I'm going to continue with this direction. So we're doing the book background to the book of Amos. And I hope you understand why we're doing this, right? Before you can understand a book, before you even really start reading a book, you've got to understand the background so you don't just immediately run into the book, think it's all about you, and forget about the original recipients and all of that. Now, some people will do a little bit of overview and book background, but for some reason, they forget it six minutes into the study. Hopefully, we're not going to do that. But something interesting kind of happened in the last live broadcast, if you heard. 
we were working, and in fact, let me go through all the steps of the book background method, okay? This is what we've done so far. I chose the book. You didn't, well, I kind of gave you the opportunity to choose the book. I said, hey, this is basically what I did. Tell me which book you want to study. Oh, and 30 minutes later, never mind, I've already made the decision. So I guess I technically didn't really give people too many options or I didn't really give them enough time, but that's okay. I chose the book, which is the book of Amos. I told you to gather all of your resource materials, right? All your reference tools. Then I told you to make a list of them and abbreviate each one, right? Then we start with the vital questions, sometimes called the six vital questions. Who, when, where, why, whom, what? Now, I took it a step further. I didn't just give you those questions. I tried to walk through how to use those questions specifically for doing book background. So we started with who wrote the book? And we found out that that was Amos. When was the book written? When when does the events talked about in the book occur? I'm not going to go through all the information, okay, but just showing you what we did. Where was the book written? Now, that turns out to be very important, all right? Where was the book written? Well, we found out that the book was written in a, in a town. Well, we believe it was written in a town, I should say, of Tekoa, Tekoa. Tekoa. We believe that's where it was written. We believe that he went one place to give the prophecies and then he returned back home to Tekoa. That's where Amos was from. And we believe that's where he wrote the book. And we learned about Tekoa because when we started asking some additional questions about what do we know about Amos, we discovered that he lived in a town called Tekoa. Now, Tekoa was low, is located, was located in the, in Judah, the southern kingdom. All right. And when we, when we, uh, well, let me go back. So we, we figured out Tekoa. Now, this is interesting. Let's just, just stay with me. All right. So where was the book written? Why was the book written? Whom was it written to? What was going on uh, when, uh, when it was written and what was going on at the time of the events of the book? We went through all of those and I, and I answered uh, most of them for you and with you. All right. So we did all of that. So we chose the book, we gathered our materials, we made a list and abbreviated them. We did the who, when, where, why, whom, what. I could review all of that in more detail, but you can go back and listen. Now, of course, hopefully you're doing all of this work on your own. That's the real goal here. The goal is not for me to teach it. The goal is here is to say, hey, I'm going to kind of work with you, right? And so if I just came in and just did the teaching, then people possibly would be less likely to do the study. But I'm trying to kind of say, I'm trying to kind of like, I'm going to go through this kind of like, okay, maybe so that you'll be like, never mind, I'll just do it myself. Okay, that's what I'm trying to, to accomplish. But then in the last episode, I said, it's time to re research the geography. We need to know what locations, what, what was the geography? Where were the cities? What was, what was the main area? And we need to ask, what is the effect of the surrounding geography on what I am studying? When we start considering the geography, how does it impact what we're getting ready to read in the book of Amos? Now, typically in the book background method, when I teach it alone, not as a part of this comprehensive method, I would say, okay, take your Bible and just skim through every chapter and just write down every location that is mentioned, every city, mountain, village, valley, 
hill. It doesn't matter. Name the places. And then we would try to determine which ones greatly impact our understanding of the book. This one, you're at somewhat of a disadvantage, but it's to be fun. The disadvantage is to be fun because as you're looking through all of your reference tools trying to answer the six vital questions, guess what you discovered? A number of places are mentioned. And I'll go back to my example. Tekoa, right? Where, where was Amos from? Tekoa. Where did he write the book? Possibly Tekoa. Now, when you look at a map of Tekoa, guess what? You find out that it's located in Judah, the southern kingdom. When you start doing some research about Judah, the southern kingdom. So that's one of the geographical regions. Tekoa, we, we need to know that it's located in Ju- Judah, the southern kingdom. When you start looking up some things about Judah, the southern kingdom, you find some places mentioned. Jerusalem, Gath, Hebron, and Beersheba. All right, we want to study all of those. But what was interesting in one source, it said that Judah's kind of area, its territory went all the way up north to Bethel. Now, at first, I asked the question, well, is Bethel in the northern kingdom or is it in the southern kingdom, right? And then I pulled up a map to show, no, the way the dictionary read it, it almost acted like Bethel was a part of the southern kingdom, right? Which clearly it's not. So I wanted to verify it, right? Because remember, when I do these, I'm, I'm walking you through the process. If I was teaching, I would have just said, Bethel's not there. But when I walk you through it, so then I, we started looking up a little bit about Bethel. We figured out that it's in the northern kingdom. That's important because Amos goes where to minister? Even though he lives in the southern kingdom, he goes to the, his ministry is to the northern kingdom. And I said, okay, so Bethel is possibly important, right? Because it's kind of like the, the northern boundary of the southern kingdom. Once you get to Bethel, you're, you've left the southern kingdom. Once you get to Gilgal and Bethel, you have less, left the southern kingdom of Judah and you've entered into the northern kingdom of Israel. But there was something else significant about it. I said, because Bethel was a place of idolatry, the center of idolatry. Now, this becomes very important. This becomes critical to understanding the background to the book because what do we know about the purpose of the book? Well, Amos is sent to to confront Israel with their sin, warn them of coming judgment, call them to repentance and and point out their sins. And one of their sins is idolatry. Now in our method of Bible study, the book background, after we research the geography, we are to research the historical background. We may come back to that, but I just wanted tonight to turn on the microphone to go to the next one, which is Uh, research the religious background. Now here, the religious background and the historical background are going to be somewhat very much linked together, right? Because the religious background is very much connected to their historical background. The historical background is going to be very much connected to uh, to the religious. So you can try to draw the distinctions as you would, and I would love to see how you do so. But I want to go to the religious background because that's what caught my attention especially after studying the geography. And I'm like, Bethel. Now, sometimes, just so that you know, some refer to it as Bethel. Some refer to it as Bethel, right? So here is a little bit about Bethel. We want to know a little bit about the city from a geographical standpoint. But when it comes to the religious background that you need to do for the book background, I think Bethel becomes significant, especially if you want to understand the book. Here's what I want you to hear. This is very important. 
right? Are you ready? This is very, very important. After the death of Solomon and the division of his kingdom, Jeroboam, the king of Israel, the northern kingdom, set up two calves of gold, one in Bethel or Bethel and one in Dan. You can read about this in 1 Kings 12, 29, 1 Kings 12, 32 through 33. 1 Kings 12, 29, 1 Kings 12, uh, 32 through 33. You can, you can definitely look that up. Remember, I'm trying to keep you from going into the book of Amos, but here you can go ahead and look that up for background information. You can use the, the Bible for background information if it relates to Amos. We just don't want you to get in, into the book yet because of the way we're doing the book background this time. Second uh, Kings 10, 29. Okay, and it becomes the chief sanctuary of Israel, rivaling, it becomes basically a rival, rivaling the temple in Jerusalem. Now in Judah, they got Jerusalem. In Israel, in the northern kingdom, they end up with Bethel. It becomes their Chief sanctuary, which ultimately ends up with what? A golden calf. Clearly, this is giving us the background, right? We got a, their chief sanctuary is a place of idolatry. So now this gives us a little insight to why Amos is going. The religious background helps us understand the book. This is this is one of those things when you're studying book background. There's a lot of information you find. There's a lot of information you find and you're like, okay, that's interesting, that's fascinating. But does it help you understand the book? This background information is absolutely essential to understanding. I, well, this is one thing I want you to do. I want you to listen to me carefully. I want you to listen to me carefully tonight, right? In your summary, because we're getting very close to the summary, I want you to write down, even if it's only one, it can be up to three, it can be up to five. You can do this. You can, some of you want to write your summary, like a, para, a summary paragraph where you summarize all of the background information. That's perfectly okay. Summarize it. But after you write that summary paragraph, I want you to write down what you believe are two or three possible. You may not have three. It can only, it may be one, but at least try to come up with one. What you think is a key, a, a hermeneutical key to understanding the book, like something in the background that you may think, oh, this is the key to understanding the book. This explains everything. It, we have to understand the book based off this information. Sometimes there's something in the background that becomes the hermeneutical key. Let me, I've I, I mentioned this all the time. I mentioned this all the time. Hebrews, the, the hermeneutical key to Hebrews is the historical, is the background. It's being written to Jews and some of them want to go back to Judaism. And Judaism is about to be wiped off the face of the earth because it's being written around 66, 67 AD and the temple is going to be destroyed in 70 AD. To me, I think that's the hermeneutical key. The background is the hermeneutical key. So I want you to write down one or two things. It can be three things that you're like, whoa, this is. And let me just give you a hint. Understanding Bethel or Bethel, I think is a major hermeneutical key, at least in my mind. 
right? And, and guess what? When you get into the book, you may realize that that wasn't the hermeneutical key. But I want you to just find that information and think, oh, this is important. To me, of all the things I've looked at so far, I'm, I think I'm going to say this. I think this information is key. I think understanding that in the Northern Kingdom, they had Bethel, which was their chief sanctuary, and there was a golden calf. Now, this is interesting. Stay with me. The prophets, Jeremiah and Amos, denounced Bethel, or Bethel, for its idolatries. Jeremiah 48.13. Now, there's a passage in Amos, but I'm not going to give that to you right now. Jeremiah 48.13. Now, I did, I want some of the, some other people who are working on the study mentioned that in their reference tools and their resources, that it appears, at least according to some sources, and I want everyone to look for this to see, is it possible that is where Amos went to declare the entire prophecies of the book? He went to Bethel. He went to their chief sanctuary. That is where he went directly, in a sense, to the lion's den. He went right to the center of their idolatry to declare judgment is coming. And here, you don't need to look around to look for your sin. It's right there. There's the golden calf. There is your sin. Oh, that makes it that much more dramatic. Now, I don't know if we can, can we be a dogmatic that he gave his prophecy at Bethel, if we can, oh man, then I think we've got a major hermeneutical key going on here. I think we have a major, and so we'll want, we want to know everything about the city of Bethel. Like, I want you to know everything about the city of Bethel. I want you to know about the sanctuary. I want you to know about that golden calf. I want you to know about the size of the city. How many people? What, were there any other temples? What else was, what, was it a wealthy city? What was going, know about Bethel. I'm thinking that Bethel may be one of the hermeneutical keys. I could be wrong. Remember, the goal here is not to teach you, it's to walk you through it. Right? But you can look up that Jeremiah 48.13 passage. So it looks like Jeremiah and Amos denounced Bethel. Now, this is important. Hosea declaring, this is very important, Hosea, de- I'm sorry, deploring its great wickedness, Hosea chapter 10 verse 5 and Hosea chapter 10 verse 15. And remember, Hosea is significant because there was two prophets in a sense that for writing purposes, as far as writing, spoke to the northern kingdom, and that was Amos and Hosea. And they're they're not directly at the same time, but their times are very much are close together. All right. Now this is important. Guess what Hosea called Bethel? What did Hosea call Bethel or Bethel? What did he call it? I don't know if anyone's currently listening, but I'll give you the opportunity to tell me. What did Hosea call Bethel? We could do Bible trivia tonight. Bible trivia. The first person to get the answer wins. Okay, nothing. Okay, but uh, I'll I'll give your name live on the air. Okay, if anyone is listening live and they're using Spreaker, 
let me know. If you're not listening uh, via, via Spreaker, you can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, because I just want to know that you knew the answer. But Hosea referred to Bethel, not by the name Bethel. He referred to the name. In fact, I'm going to verify this. I'm going to, I'm going to, I want, I want to see if I can give you a, a direct reference to see where this occurs. I believe, hang on, let me make sure. Okay. Uh-oh. Twyla just said she doesn't know. That's not good. Okay. Twyla, you, you're deducted 50 points for this study. So you are, you're, you're already in, you're, you're 50 points down. Okay. So that you probably shouldn't have told me you didn't know. See, if you'd have just been silent, I wouldn't have known you were listening. And then you would, you would have not lost 50 points. But now that you tell me you don't know, you just lost 50 points. I mean, I don't even know why you would do that, but you did. So, right. Uh, did I, I was going to say Hebrews. Hosea chapter 10, verse 5. The inhabitants of Samaria shall fear because of the calves of, 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 <laughs> I'm going to see if anyone's going to answer. Okay. I mean, in a roundabout way, I just told you where the answer is. It's in Hosea chapter 10, verse five. Now it's interesting because some of the, uh, the resource material will say there was a calf and Bethel, and there was a calf, I think, what, and uh, and Dan, I think, was the other place. I want to make sure I say, state that correctly. And Dan. But here, okay, there we go. So Twyla just got the answer. So you get uh, you get 10 points back. So you're only down 40 points, okay, because you, I had to give you the answer. So you're down, but you gave the answer. So, all right, you're only down 40 points. All right, but <laughs> here we go. This is, I'll read it now. So I, get, I guess what's interesting is, some of the resource reference tools say that there was one calf in Bethel, Bethel, and the other one in Dan. But this, listen to the way it reads in the King James. The inhabitants of Samaria shall fear because of the calves, plural, of Beth-Avon. For the people thereof shall mourn over it and the priests thereof that rejoice on it for the glory thereof because it is departed from it. Beth Avon. Now that is significant. That is super because this is very, 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 very important. All right. This is very important. He called it Beth Beth Avon, which means house of idols. Because of the golden calf set up there. Now we need to know, was it one golden calf or was it calves? Plural. Is that just a King James thing? That's something that you can look up, right? Uh, This is very important. Think of it, Bethel, which was the house of God, Bethel, Bethel is the house of God, becomes the house of idols. Basically, the house of God deteriorated to, to such a horrible degree that the house of God became a house of idols. This is the religious background of the book. So he, in a sense, Amos goes to Bethel, to the house of God to decry and to speak against it because of the idolatries and to, and to point out their sin and tell them judgment is coming. The house of God became the house of idols. It deteriorated. Um, 
Okay, uh, Twyla just asked a question. Um, let me. She she said, I think later. Why is it referred to as Bethel later uh, in the chapter in Hosea ten? I, I I would have to I would have to go look. Yeah. So uh, verse fifteen, Hosea ten fifteen. So shall Bethel do unto you because of your great wickedness in the morning. Shall the king of Israel utterly be cut off? Um, I think I think maybe the Beth Beth Aven was a reference to um, speaking of it almost as a descriptive, like I'm going to call it Beth Avon to emphasize that it's become a house of idols, but then at some times refer back to it as Bethel when you're simply referring to the city. I think I, Beth Avon, that's a, that's a descriptive title, not necessarily trying to describe the city, but describing the condition of the city. And Bethel is really the, the name of the city proper. So he calls it Bethel in a rebuking or a descriptive way to explain the problem of it. Okay, so I think that's I think I think that's the best way to understand it. Now, I'm going to do something right here. All right. I'm going to going to open up the Spreaker app just to make sure I don't miss anyone's comments. Let me do that really quick. All right. And hopefully that answered the question. So, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. All right. The historical, this, this fits, some of this material works with the historical background, but this is the part of the book background part study where you have to do the religious background. And the religious background of Amos is clearly the idolatry going on in Bethel. So here's what we want to do. Here's what we want to do. First, I want you to remember when you get done with the book background and you write that paragraph summary of everything you've learned, right? What I want you to do at some point, and, and there's some questions I want you to answer there. I gave, I, I've given you those questions. We'll talk more about it when we get there. But I want you to do this. I want you to write one or two. It can be three, it can be 10, but at least one major hermeneutical key that you think you discovered while studying the book background method. While studying the background of Amos, you're like, that's it. That's the key to understanding the book. Now, if you don't believe there is one, put forth your thesis, put forth your justification. There isn't a hermeneutical key. Anyone who thinks there's a hermeneutical key in this background material is out of their minds. Okay, I, I mean, you've got to do a little bit better in your justification than that, but justify it. I'm going to argue that I think Bethel and the religious situation going on in Bethel becomes the entire key maybe to interpreting the entire book of Amos. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we'll get in and see. But I want you to do that. So when you get to the end and you summarize your summary paragraph, when you do, hey, you know what's so crazy? Uh, okay. I, I just do have, I have to go, uh, I have to go on a little bit of a rant here. I have to go back. I have to do a little bit of a rant here. We've talked about this in podcast episodes, but this just right here reminds me of how frustrated I get with the modern church. There are very famous pastors who not only promote, who not only use, but they speak highly of these sermon services where they subscribe to these, they pay a monthly fee, and then they contact the company like, I'm going to be preaching on Amos and I need basically a book background. And then they have researchers there and they put together a very professional 
very organized book background, and then all the pastor has to do is look it over, may change it up a little bit, and then preach it. And I, some well-known pastors use these services. That drives me crazy. Because pastors should be doing what we're doing right here. We're working on the, we've got the reference tools out. We're working on it and we're studying the Bible. One, I don't know why you would be, want to be deprived of the great joy that comes from doing this. And two, then all you are is basically like someone in news media that just reads, you know, the, te- uh, the t- teleprompter. I don't want to be a pastor reading the teleprompter. I want to be a pastor who has struggled with the text. Oh, I may make a mistake here. I may mess something up. I may, I may say Impala instead of Impalas like I did last night on 2 Corinthians. Whatever the case may be, I, I, may, I, may, I may go from Bethel to Bethel. I may make certain mistakes or not have certainty, but at least it's real and it's organic and it's studying the Bible. I know that's kind of a side note, but that's okay. So back to what I need you to do, all right? Back to what I need you to do. Here's what I need you to do. When you finally get to the end, because we're getting really close. Tomorrow's Friday. I want everyone to be done with the book background, hopefully by Sunday. I really want everyone to be done with the book background by Sunday. I'm hoping. I'm, I'm, I'm praying. I'm pleading. I'm hoping. I, don't, I know some of you may not be able to get there, but that's okay. Just You just keep working. You're just doing what you can. I just... I just feel that some people are going to get so into the book background that they're going to make it more complicated than it is. You're just getting the basic information. But at the end, when you write out that summary paragraph where you summarize all of your, all of your discoveries about the book, right after that, I want you to write down hermeneutical keys and based off the background information, what do you think is this is the hermeneutical key? I'm arguing for. My thesis is, of the things that I've seen so far, Bethel may be the most important. I could be proven to be wrong. I could be proven to be wrong. And, and if you have a different thesis, I can't wait to hear it. I can't wait for you to go, no, 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 no. You completely mi- see that information right here. That's the key. You let me know. I'll turn on the microphone and go, wait, we've got a competing theory. And then when we get into the book, then you'll find out that you were wrong. And then you can tell me that I was right. And then you'll have to record an audio clip that I can play for everyone where you tell everyone, I'm joking, I'm joking, right? So I want you to do that right now. This is the second thing I want you to do. Here's the second thing I want you to do. Obviously, I want you to, to do some work on Bethel, but I'm not, I'm, you already know all of that. You're supposed to already be doing the work on that in your geography. You're supposed to be doing the work on the religious background. We got to know everything about Bethel. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to just consider for practical, practical, devotional benefit, right? Because in Bible study, we're doing a lot of this academic work. And, but sometimes in the mid, in the midst of the academic work, you just, I mean, you can't deny it. You're like, whoa, how do I just skip? That's what happened to me tonight while I was sitting here considering Bethel and I was just, and, and I, w- I was just thinking about it and all of a sudden it just, and then, and then when I was doing some more reading about Bethel and then I noticed Bethaven from Hosea, Bethel, Bethel is the house of God. Bethaven is the house of idols. Wow. The house of God deteriorated into the house of idols. Whoa, that is so good. That not only does that preach, that is good. So here's what I want you to consider from a practical standpoint. This is, this is just extra credit 
for your own devotional purpose, for your own practical growth. In the midst of academic study, we always want to be seeing those things that can be convicting and challenge us. So here's what I want you to consider. Here's the question. How does the house of God deteriorate to the point that it becomes the house of idols? How does that happen? Now, I think we have maybe, we may have, we may have an answer for how Bethel becomes Bethaven. We may have an answer for that. All right. I think I could, I think you'll confine that. All right. In fact, I'm going to give you, right when I end, I'm going to give you all of these, I think, relevant scriptures to this entire discussion, but I'm going to leave the scriptures from Amos out. All right. So uh, if you want to write them down here in a minute. So you can try to answer it from a historical perspective. How did Bethel, the house of God, become Bethaven, the house of idols? But I want you to expand that to just more of a general thought. How does the church, sometimes referred to as the house of God, become a house of idols? Like, what what do you think are the key steps that leads the church to no longer be the house of God, become the house of idols? Then. So, I want you to consider the real Bethel. How did the real Bethel become the Bethaven? How did that happen literally in history? Then second, how does the church become the house of, goes from the house of God to Beth Aven, the house of idols? And then number three, you and I are referred to as the temple of God, right? We, we are the temple of the living God because the spirit dwells in us. How do we find ourselves from going from the temple of God, God dwelling in us to, well, the house of idols, the temple of idols? What are, what are the steps? I, or do you think they're common? I, I, re- I want you to, like, that's your, my own practical, throw that out there. I want you to consider that. And, and for those, for those in the Discord channel, if you want to discuss it, when, when I'm done here, we can go into the general, uh, the audio general, uh, section and everyone can just talk it out on the audio section there. Um, because I'd love to get everyone's perspective on this. But I, I just I just had to share that because I just think that's there's something powerful there. Now, here are the scriptures, the key scriptures for all of this tonight. All right, here we go. First Kings 12, basically 29 to 33. I'll just do it that way. First Kings 12, 29 to 33. First Kings 13, verses 1 through 32. 2 Kings chapter 10, verse 29. Jeremiah chapter 48, verse 13, and Hosea chapter 10, verse 5, and verse 15. There we have it. And I wanted to do this tonight because I I have expressed my own displeasure with the way I've been trying to work these, right? Just very academic, working through the steps. I think everyone, I don't think anyone wants to be mean, but I think everyone will acknowledge, okay, that not really liking that. So I want to modify a little bit and see if I can find a way to to accomplish some of this, but in a way that is more advantageous and beneficial and maybe more interesting. But uh, but I but I'm not afraid to admit, and I and I and I will not apologize that I'm going to still revert back to some of those where, oh, like today, here's this step. Okay, let's look. All right, oh Hosea, 
or, or Hosea. Amos wrote the book. Okay, now what do we know about Amos? Okay, well, we know he's from T- uh, Tekoa. Well, we know that he was a herdsman. We know he was a gatherer of figs. Okay, like, and just kind of like work through it in real time. I know that's not the most fascinating thing to hear, but I, I, I still think that those episodes are going to be important. All right. Now, nobody said anything else. No, nobody, nobody said, wow, that's a, that's a good question about Bethel, Bethel becoming Bethaven. That's, that's pretty good about the church, about me. That's, nope, nobody said anything. So that's okay. I'm just going to assume that the reason nobody said anything is because they're just like, wow, I don't know what to say. I'm joking, everyone. I'm joking. All right. I want to say so much more. I do want to say so much more. I want to say so much more. But I'll stop. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. I think that'll probably be it for the evening. I don't think I'll do anything late night. I don't think so. And then tomorrow, we go. We take a trip back to Indiana to the most influential youth conference in history, and we're going to review another one of those sermons. Oh, boy. I'm not looking forward to that. We'll, we'll probably do a little bit more work on Amos, and then we have, well, about 900 other things we need to work on. So... We'll get to all of them soon. All right. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to hear everyone's feedback. Everyone have a great evening. The book of Amos, just the background, the background. Have it done by Sunday. Have it done by Sunday. And, and, and this, listen, this is what I would challenge you. Even, even if you get to Sunday and you're not done, take what you do have write your summary statement and see if you can uh, come up with a key hermeneutical thing. Just, just, it doesn't matter if it's incomplete. Do the best you can, right? That, that's what I would say. Even if you don't have time to write everything down, at least read everything about the background to the book of Amos. Just grab three or four resources and at least re- just read it, all right? I know, I know I'm going to start giving you more information, but I'll stop right there. All right, thanks for listening. Everyone have a great night. God bless.